Great. Can you hear me okay? Yes? Brilliant. It's hard to tell because you've all got masks on, so you have to... Big nod. I don't know where they get their acting skills from. Um, it's certainly not me. But they were especially good, weren't they? So, good morning to you. As you know, we've been um, going through a new series. We're on the fourth part of our new series on the uniqueness of Christ. It's been such a joy, hasn't it, to um, be looking at the life of Jesus, who he is, and just be gazing at one, in wonder at who he is and what he's done for us. So on the first week, Sai kicked us off um, talking about the uniqueness of Jesus, how he is the center of history how he's the focus of scripture, he's the fulfillment of prophecy, the suffering servant, the saviour of the world, God made flesh, the liberator, the coming judge, the supreme Lord and the head of the church. And then two weeks ago, Owen spoke about Jesus who is the son of God and the son of of man, the only one who could fully represent humanity whilst also embodying the image of God. And then last week, Sai spoke to us about God incarnate, the eternal Son of God, one with the Father and the Spirit, who came as a human being, who came as a baby. And so this week, um, we're going to follow through chronologically. So I'm going to be speaking about Jesus as the child, the youth, and the skilled worker. So we're going to be mainly looking at the years of Jesus from the ages around 12 through to the age of 30. Now the small issue is that there are actually only about 11 verses in the whole Bible that speak about the events that happened around those times. So thank you, Sai, for giving me this one. Um, but what the New Testament does say, I do believe, is really significant for us here, both as adults and as children. Kids, imagine if your parents could describe your life up till now in 11 sentences. I wonder what they might say. Well, this morning we're going to be looking at what God the Father has to say through the Holy Spirit in his word about his son and the first 30 years of his earthly life. So we're going to be looking at two main areas this morning, as you can see on the screen. Jesus as a child and youth, and then secondly, Jesus as a skilled worker. And those are the verses. If you've got your Bible with you, do turn to those verses. So let's start with Jesus, fully God, fully boy. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but as a child, I felt pretty indestructible. Um, that might be a boy thing, um, judging by the amount of bruises on my son's faces, I think it probably is a boy thing. Um, but I used to get up to all sorts of mischief. Um, I used to see how high I could jump down the staircase at my parents' house, um, see if I could get from top to bottom in one go. I used to love climbing trees. That was one of my favorite things to do. I used to always used to go to the park and climb trees. The higher, the better. And all sorts of irresponsible things. Now, kids, please don't go and do those things. Otherwise, I'll have a lot of angry phone calls tomorrow from parents. 
But can you imagine the temptation of Jesus that he might have had of doing adventurous things? The possibilities were literally endless. But Jesus was very much a normal boy. So he would have lived a normal kind of life. He would have had fun with his friends. He had brothers and sisters. And he was just a normal boy living a small town life. He would have faced all sorts of temptations. He would have faced all sorts of challenges. But he did so without sin. Almost in every sense, he grew up with the same experiences as any other child. He didn't abuse his God incarnate nature, but he lived humbly and he waited patiently for God's timing. I wonder if you're in a time of waiting at the moment in your life, whether you're feeling you're at a standstill or maybe you're not sure what is going to happen next, whether it's in your job or other circumstances in your life. I just want to encourage you to be waiting on God for his timing because he works things perfectly through his timing. I think there's real comfort in knowing that Jesus learnt earthly dependence and obedience, and he functioned as a part of a community of believers. Let's have a look at the book of Luke to see what it has to say about the 12-year-old Jesus. So Luke 2 And we're starting from verse 42. So, when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. Where did he go? He was going up to Jerusalem. Um, So, at the age of 12 years old, um, this was the first year that Jesus went to Jerusalem, not as a boy, but as a man, a son of the law which meant a whole new way of life for him. It meant observing Jewish ceremonial law. Uh, It meant actively attending and going to the festivals, going on pilgrimage, and ultimately being treated as a grown-up as opposed to a child. So this was a big moment in Jesus' life. And no doubt he would have been looking forward to those future years, thinking about what God had, his father had for him in the future. And he probably would have been quite excited about visiting the temple and listening to the teachers and being in God's house. Then verse 43, the drama starts. But when the feast was over, as they were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't know it. But because they assumed that he was in their group of travellers, they went on a whole day's journey. Then they began to look for him among their relatives and acquaintances. That was really enjoyable. (laughs) Although it's not explicitly said, I think it's a fair observation to make that Jesus had a degree of freedom and trust from his parents. The fact that they had been traveling for a whole day before they even started looking for him and him and noticed that he was missing suggests that he was a responsible, trusted child that was allowed to wander about the traveling party. 
But can you imagine the worry as a parent? Can you imagine Mary and Joseph's worry? The only parents who have been given the responsibility of God's one and only son. We've lost him. What do we do? Imagine leaving your 12-year-old child in London for just a day, although you'll probably notice the silence a lot sooner than that. The worry that would fill our hearts. Let's move on to verse 45. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to look for him. After three whole days... That's the last one, I promise. They found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard Jesus were astonished at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were overwhelmed. His mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been looking for you anxiously. But he replied, Why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Yet his parents did not understand the remark he made to them. Then he went down with them to Nazareth and was obedient to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. I think if we had lost one of our children for four days and found them casually sitting, listening to John Piper in the corner of the Pevensey room, I think I'd probably react in a similar way that Mary and Joseph did. Why have you done this to us? Well, didn't you know I'd be here? I just kind of, I don't know how many of you have watched The Simpsons before. I just imagine this moment where Homer Simpson's grabbing Bart by the neck. Why are you little? (laughs) But no, Jesus acted in innocence and sincerity. For he was sinless. Well, mum, you know that as well as I do that my father is a father in heaven. He's my true father. Why wouldn't I be in my father's house? Jesus corrects Mary in quite an astonishing way, I think. Mary says to Jesus, your father and I have been looking for you. But Jesus replies, didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? So Jesus makes the distinction there between his earthly father and his heavenly father. He was in the place that he was meant to be. So what else can we learn from these verses? It says that all who heard him were astonished at his understanding. Jesus may have been an ordinary child, but in other ways he was clearly no ordinary child. These verses suggest that Jesus was very familiar with the scriptures And he was able to answer questions in quite a remarkable way. He clearly had understanding of God's word from a young age. The priority that Jesus places on scripture, and actually the, the priority that Mary and Joseph would have placed on scripture in teaching Jesus, I think is a really important challenge to us. It's important because it teaches us that children are never too young to start hearing learning and living God's word. As parents, it's vital that we're teaching our children God's word, both through our actions, through our reading of it, and through the way that we communicate right and wrong. 
God's word is the instruction manual for life, whether you're four or whether you're 104. Now, children, I'd just like you to listen up for a moment because I want to speak to you specifically. As you grow up, a lot of people will tell you how you're meant to live your life. They'll tell you what is right and what is wrong, and they'll tell you what the best direction is for your life. This book here is God's Word, and it is the right direction for your life. Okay, so if you're ever in doubt, just turn to God's Word and read it, because it will take you on the right path, and that's a promise from God. Base your lives upon it, and you will be heading in the right direction. So, verse 51. Jesus went down with his parents and was obedient to him to them. I think this is one of the most mind-blowing verses, um, possibly of the whole Bible. The fact that Jesus, the maker of everything, God's Son, the eternal Son of God, the one who made the stars, the one who made the mountains, the one who made the seas and everything in them, and he holds everything in his hands. He was obedient to his earthly mother and father, who were not sinless, who did make mistakes. What an amazing thing. I wish I would have understood that as a child. I think it probably would have changed my attitude quite a lot. Children, your parents want what is good for you. They want what is good for you because they love you and they care about you and they want the best for your life. Be obedient to your parents. God asks you to be obedient to your parents and that is the right thing to do. Like Jesus listened to his parents, I would ask you to be obedient and listen to your parents. It's true, mum and dads do get things wrong, but kids, let's be obedient. Parents, and I include myself in this one, because we get things wrong, we need to be setting an example to our children by apologising to each other, being quick to forgive each other, and apologising to our children when we get things wrong. Oswald Sanders puts it like this, The Son of Man provided the pattern for the Christian young people in their relationship with their parents. So, as we move on to look at Jesus from then onwards, I'll just be looking at two verses. Firstly, verse 52, which is the verse that concludes that story. And then we're going to look at a gospel account from Mark. So, verse 52 says this, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor favor with God and with people. We need to make sure that we keep this verse and his submission to his parents and his heavenly father central to our thinking when we look at the life of Jesus, including his life as a workman. Just for a moment, try to comprehend with me. Everything in this book that teaches about what is good and right and holy. Everything Jesus learned to embody. 
It's not that he didn't have it beforehand. He is eternally the Son of God, one with the Spirit, one with the Father. But in his human form, he learned, he learned and he grew in maturity and he embodied all of those things. It's a challenge to us, isn't it? If we think that we are maturing Christ, I think we need to probably think again because there is so much maturing we need to be doing in Jesus. The one who is wisdom unsearchable learned wisdom. How much more then do we need to do the same? Just as Jesus grew in maturity as an example, so too we must mature and grow in maturity and wisdom and stature. From child to his youth to his manhood, Jesus grew in these things. He is our example. He is our blueprint in how to grow in maturity. Colossians 1, 9 to 10, Paul writes this. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit with every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. In Galatians 5.25, I love this verse. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And I do believe that that's a verse for us at the moment as a church as, as everything is up in the air. It's an encouragement to us, isn't it? If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That means spending time in God's presence. That means seeking him every day, in every moment. So, the second part, point number two, Jesus as a skilled worker. James, can I ask you to come up in the front, please? So James turned 12 years old two weeks ago, a week and a half ago. So he's the perfect example of our Jesus this morning. He's going to be whittling 10 pencils out of this um, plank of wood. He's got about five minutes to do it. I'm going to move this microphone out of the way. It's just an example of the sort of age that Jesus would have been as he was beginning his working life on earth. So take it away, James. I'm just going to let James carry on in the background. Fantastic arm action there. So Jesus as a carpenter. Children, just as, so you know what a carpenter is, it's someone who works with wood to make things out of wood. And um, it's widely believed that Jesus would have done this alongside some other trades, maybe stone masonry, probably not electrics, um, but he would have done other trades as well. But I thought carpentry is quite a good example because I'm a carpenter. Um, and I can relate to that a lot better. So let's go to the gospel account from Mark in Mark 6, verse 3. So this is, uh, this is the time where Je in Jesus' ministry, so between the ages of 30 and 33, and he's uh, visiting Nazareth to bring God's kingdom. So the people around were saying this, 
Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of Jesus, Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't these his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. This account shows us that Jesus functioned as a normal working man in his community. He had brothers and sisters and he was at least, as anyone else could notice, he was a regular guy working a regular job. There was nothing striking about his appearance. No halo on his head, no wings on his back, no lanyard around his neck allowing him VIP access to the temple. Jesus was a humble boy who grew into a humble man. And we know this because of the job that he did. The eternal God chose to live out his whole working life on earth, working with wood. That's incredible, isn't it? The trees that he created, he chose to work with. He could have done anything he wanted. He could have chosen any job he wanted in history, but he chose to work as a carpenter in an average job, to be an apprentice to a human father in a dusty workshop for a low wage. But just look at what God the Father did through that time of waiting in Jesus' life. I just want to pick out a couple of things that we can learn from Jesus' work in life. First of all, Jesus was teachable. He would have had to have been teachable to learn his trade from a young age. He would have had to listen to his father's instructions and learn woodworking techniques, as well as working with other materials. The maker of the galaxies, the one who sculpted mountains and planets, was sculpting wood. It's certainly a lesson there for us, isn't there? When we're in our places of work and there's people around us who are maybe more experienced than us, who may be just more capable than us at our jobs, we need to be ready to be humble and listen to those people. Not to be easily offended when they give correction or advice. We had a saying on site which is, every day is a school day. Secondly, Jesus was not work shy. There's no way that you could do the job that Jesus did and not break a sweat. For 18 years, he worked alongside his father in the grueling heat, probably working very long hours. It's really hard work. I've worked in the building trade for 13 years now, I think it is. It's not an easy job. It's hard work at the best of times. Paul says this in 2 Thessalonians. He encourages the church not to be idle, but to earn a living. He says to the Colossians in chapter 3, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Proverbs 16.3 says in a similar way, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. You may be in a place where you're frustrated with your work at the moment or your job. just want to encourage you, looking at the life of Jesus, I'm sure Jesus would have been tempted to think, Oh, I, could, I could just be out there sharing God's, God's word. I could just be out there spreading the gospel now. I could be doing it now. But actually, God had a plan and a purpose for him in that time of waiting. I just want to encourage you, if you're frustrated, actually, God has got a plan and a purpose for you in that time of waiting. 
if you're if you've been in work for a long time and it's becoming a chore i just want you to focus on paul's words because you can bring glory to god through being an example of an employee who works hard that's an example to god just being an employee who works hard that's a sign of integrity and people listen to people of integrity. We had Ray up here a few weeks ago telling us and sharing with us what he's learned over the years. Ray is a man of integrity and we would be really silly not to listen to his advice. And in the same way, if you are a person of integrity in your workplace, people will listen as you share God's word and the gospel in those times. If you're an age where you're at school, then it's good to work hard, children. It's not a bad thing. God wants you to work hard in your learning, and God will use you throughout that process. You're doing a great job, James. That dragon's really coming on. Fantastic. If you finish school or university and you're able to work, but you don't know what to do yet, I just want to encourage you, don't sit around waiting for the phone to ring. Look for a job. Do that in the context of God's direction, seeking God's direction for your life. There's real weight in the example of Jesus' working life, isn't there? There's lessons to be learned. The way that we act as regular people in the workplace. We're taught to be people in the world, not people of the world. Jesus said this about himself, I'm not of the world, but clearly he was in the world. And Jesus prays this to his father. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. We shouldn't be separating ourselves from the difficulties of life, especially now in these days. We shouldn't be separating us from the problems around us and from within us. We are called to be Christians who are salt and light into the community. We're called to be ambassadors for Christ in how we go about our work. Let's remember that Jesus spent 30 years in preparation for three years of ministry, for three days where he died on the cross and where he was risen from the grave for our sins. So often we look for a quick fix, don't we? So often. Jesus changed the world forever and he wants us to be doing that he wants us to be continuing that work, not with quick fixes, but spending time in his presence, spending time in his word, living regular lives just as he did and being obedient. Can I invite Joe and the band up? So I just want to summarize. Jesus is our example of how to live a life of humility, hard work, and integrity. We would be fools not to follow. In a world of disruption and heartache and chaos, let's be people who plug into God, who allow his spirit to mature us, transforming our hearts and our minds to be people who bring the gospel through both our actions and our words. Yeah, Lord, we thank you for the example that you have set us. Jesus, we thank you for the example that you set us by being a regular guy, working a regular job, yet yeah, doing it so humbly, 
seeking the Lord daily. God, would you be that example to us, Lord, that we would follow you. Help us to mature, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you help us to mature in you? Help us to be living witnesses of your goodness and grace. Amen.